Welcome to the Journey Youth Podcast. Here's the place where you can catch up on past and future messages. Be sure to subscribe so you get updates when new messages go live. I hope you enjoy it. Okay, when, com- when you hear the word legendary, what comes to your mind? A person or something? Shout it out. When you hear the word legendary or legend, me, Lily Machko, that's what's up. That's what's up. God's going to work on you tonight. <laughs> Just shout it out. Did you say your mom? Okay, thank you for that. My mom is a legend, thank you very much. <laughs> what comes to your mind when you think of, when you hear about legendary or a legend? Just shout it out. You don't have to raise your hand. What? Okay, yep, that's, that's good. Bob Ross. Bob Ross. R.I.P. Bob Ross. Ah, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. You can get your Jesus sticker later. Uh, We'll put it in. Michael Madsen. Wow, thank you. I I agree. He is a great actor, but he has a bit of a drug-ridden past. If you weren't aware of this, Michael Madsen is actually a famous Hollywood actor. So if you ever Google my name, you'll come up to some weird things. Um, The definition of someone who is legendary or something is something that has become famous or well-known, usually as a result of a distinctive or unique characteristic or skill. And uh, when I hear the word legendary, I think of, there's many things that come to mind, but uh, there's a pastor in Tanzania, Africa, and uh, he's living right now, and he has a church in Tanzania. But God spoke to this pastor, and he said, I want you and your wife to go to this village start a church, and preach the name of Jesus. Uh, This village was an extremist Muslim population who hated Christians. So going there was a really stupid idea in terms of what we would think would be smart. Uh, But this pastor and his wife moved to this village, started a church, and they got some people together, and then they started building a building, and it it was awesome. Everything was going great. And uh, on Saturday night some Muslim extremists came and took all the bolts out of the roof just in the dead of night. Sunday morning rolls around. The pastor's preaching. The people are listening, and a gust of wind blows up, takes the roof off, crashes down into the people, and the pastor is killed instantly. The people in the church begin to pray for him. This guy comes back to life. Like, this is a true story. This guy is living. I know somebody who has met this guy. Uh, This guy comes back to life, spends the next two months in the hospital, and as he's being released from the hospital, his wife comes in on a stretcher and has been beat up beyond recognition, and the same people who took the bolts out of the roof have beat up his wife. And he says, I know that God has called me to this village. I know that this is where he's called me to be, and I am not leaving. How many of you would have left? Yeah, long before that. But this guy has heard from God. Well, he continues doing his work and speed the light, actually, comes to this guy's church. They drill a water well outside of his church, and he begins to offer free, clean drinking water to the whole community, including these extremist Muslims who have been persecuting him and his wife and his church. And uh, before this well was drilled, they would have to walk for over 10 hours 
just to get clean, safe drinking water for their families. So they'd literally walk all day just to get water. And he begins to offer it for free to those who have been persecuting him. And it gets extreme favor with these people. And these people are coming to know Jesus and are coming to his church. Uh, all because this guy is a freaking legend. That's what I think of when I think of legendary faith. Uh, another story that comes to mind is Katie Davis. Uh, in 2006, she was the homecoming queen at her high school in Tennessee. Uh, she went on a Christmas missions trip over Christmas break. Her heart got broken for... Um, orphans in Africa, and her plan was to go off to nursing school after high school, and God totally changed her plans. Right after high school, she moved to Africa, and by the time she was 21, she had been, she had taken in 13 orphans and, and was living permanently in Africa. Um, I also think of a guy named Scott Harrison. He was one of the top club promoters in the United States and was just entrenched in alcohol and drugs and women and so many bad things. And uh, God got a hold of his heart and he ended up using all of his connections to start an organization called Charity Water and is now provided uh, $388 million and funded over 400 or 44,000 water projects in 28 countries and will provide clean, safe drinking water to over 10 million people. And the last one that I think of is a kid in Bloomington who is about 16 years old, who two years ago, God gave him a goal of $20,000 for Speed the Light. He started a t-shirt business, selling t-shirts, making t-shirts, custom t-shirts for people. And this kid raised $20,000 for Speed the Light when he was 15. How many of you would say that kid is a legend and is legendary and has legendary faith? So we hear these stories of people who have done amazing things. And I don't know about you, but my first response is that I want to be like that person. I want to be like those people. I want to do things like they have done, right? But... In order to do those legendary things, I think we have to have something more than just this awesome thing. How many of you know that you don't just get uh, to doing one of these amazing things without a whole lot of stuff that nobody else sees, right? And I believe that it was their legendary faith in God that has caused them to accomplish these legendary things. Uh, Because before you do something crazy for God, you have to be crazy for God. And um, how many of you guys know the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Or maybe better yet, if you grew up uh, watching Veggie Tales, you know them as Rack, Shack, and Benny. So we're going to look at the story of Rack, Shack, and Benny tonight. And these guys had legendary faith that I want a piece of that. I want to have legendary faith like them. So let's just pray and ask God for that. God, we just ask that tonight you would, you would start something in us that is, uh, you'd give us this legendary faith, God, that we would hear stories of things that people have done because of what you have done in them, and that would, that would cause us and spur us on to desire to have that same thing, God. Um, so would you just do that? In Jesus' name, amen. So the story starts up in Daniel, the book of Daniel, same guy, Daniel in the lion's den, who got thrown into a lion's den and came out alive, right? Talk about a legend. 
actually these three guys, Rack, Shack, and Benny, they're friends with Daniel. Uh, and so bouncing off our last series of friends, if you have legendary friends, you're going to be a legendary person, right? That's what's up. So the story starts out with the Israelites being completely pillaged and decimated by the Babylonians. How many of you guys would like your country decimated by another country? Not me. So all these people are wiped out. The Jews and the Israelites are totally uh, dispersed and separated. And the Babylonians take uh, a few select people back to be slaves and to be, uh, be uh, servants in the king's palace. And that's where these three guys, Rad, Radshak, Meshach, and Abednego, Shad, yeah, I said those wrong, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that's where these guys come in. And they get put into the king's academy, learn the language. Uh, these guys are super wise. They're three friends. And um, they get put into service with the king. They actually, the king actually sees how amazing and legendary these three young guys are. And he says, I want these three guys specifically to serve in my palace and to serve me. But like all kings, king, who, who knows who the king is? Does anybody know the king? Yeah, one of the leaders, shout it out. King Nebuchadnezzar, otherwise known as Mr. Nezel. And the king has a big ego, like most kings do, and he, uh, he just happens to have enough stuff laying around to build a 90-foot statue of himself. That is awesome, but also really weird, right? You got to have a big front yard to have a 90-foot statue of yourself in your front yard. And he says, hear ye, hear ye. Everybody needs to bow down to my 90-foot statue and worship me because I am the king. And everybody goes, well, he's the king. I guess we better do it. And so there's this one day, you know, opening day of the 90-foot king statue. Everybody comes, and when they hear the trumpet blow, they're all supposed to bow down and worship the king. Now, as you can imagine, there's probably thousands of people who have come to this ceremony because the king has ordered them to. And these three guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they are in attendance because they are the king's aide. They're on the king's staff. And when the trumpet blows, everybody bows down except for these three guys. They're like, nope, we're not doing it. And they get ratted out by some other people who don't like them. They go to the king and they say, hey, these three, these three guys who you, who you think are awesome, they're not bowing down to you. And the king had said that anybody who would not bow down would be thrown into this huge bonfire of a furnace that he had going. Talk about savage. And so he calls these three guys up. He says, what's up? Why aren't you guys bowing down to the statue? Why aren't you worshiping me? I'm king, king, big boy, king Nebi. And, and so we turn to Daniel 3 to hear their response. Daniel 3, 16, it'll be on the screen. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. Because if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, 
We want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Now, if you could say that to the king without your voice cracking, you're a real man, right? Uh, how many of you guys, I'm not even going to ask for a show of hands, but I think most of us would have just said, like, it's not a big deal. Like, let's just bow down. Nobody has to see us. God's going to be like, he'll understand. Like, he doesn't want us to burn in a bonfire, right? But these, these three guys are like, no way, we're not doing it. And then they have the, the, the guts, or, or I would even say the balls, to go up to the king and say, yeah, uh, by the way, we're not. Like, we're going to say this straight up to your face. We're not, we're not bowing down to your statue because we serve a different God. And, like, he's going to deliver us from this bonfire if you throw us into it. But even if he doesn't, like, we're still not going to bow down and serve you. So uh, King Nebuchadnezzar was incredibly angry. And he ordered that the furnace be heated up to seven times what it was normally heated up to. So I don't know how hot that is, but that sounds pretty hot. And he had these three guys tied up, throws them into the furnace. And it was so hot that the guys who threw them in died. Like, that's, that's how hot it was. We're burning these three guys, heat this bad boy up seven times to what it is right now. The guys who throw them in fall over at the entrance of the furnace or at the side of the bonfire, whatever it was. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leapt to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, your majesty. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire, and all the royal people crowded around them, and they saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies. Their robes were not scorched. Their clothes weren't even burned. And there was not even a smell of a fire on them. And how many of you guys know you can't even sit around a bonfire in, in, the, in the middle of fall, like a little bonfire this big without going home smelling like smoke? And these guys were in this incredible furnace. So I don't know about you, but I think that's a pretty legendary story. And that's not just a made-up story. That is a real story that actually happened at one time in the world. And I can imagine that as these guys are putting up this fight, they're like, we're not going to bow down. The trumpet blows, and they're like, yeah, we're, we're not going to bow down. Like, we're not about that. We don't really care what happens. And then as they're being led up to the king, people are probably looking at him going like, man, what, what's up with these guys? Like, what's going on? Looks like these three guys are going to be the ones to get thrown into the furnace. And then as they're up there to the king, just like denying him straight to his face, I can imagine that every single person looking at them is going, wow, these guys are really stupid. Like, just bow down. It's not a big deal. Like, do you think your God's really going to care that much? Like, he probably cares more about your life than you bowing down to some golden statue. 
And like, wow, these guys are going to get thrown in, into a fire and lose their lives all because they're just like prideful and have a big ego and like don't want to submit to the king. Just like suck it up, bow down, it's not worth it. If these guys are going to be legends for anything, it's going to be their legendary idiots, right? But I think here's the first thing that we can learn from Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that we can apply to our life. These guys didn't care what anybody else thought about them. They didn't, they didn't give a, a rip. All they cared about was that they served God and that God said, you shall, have, you shall worship no other God but me. You shall have no other gods before me. And they're like, all right, that's an easy enough command. I think we can follow that. They didn't care what anybody else was thinking, that they were probably stupid. And they didn't care what happened to them after the fact. They knew that obeying God and following his commands was of the highest priority. And that what happened to their lives after that didn't really matter because they knew that God was good and he was going to take care of them. They're like, God's going to rescue us from this fire, but even if he doesn't, we're not going to bow down to you. And I think we get so caught up in like caring what other people are thinking about us and like um, keeping our mouth shut when, when we're hanging out with friends who are not Christians or like talking about things that we don't agree with. And we're kind of like, oh, I'm just going like, to like shut up. I'm not going to say anything. And we're so worried about what everybody else is thinking and saying about us that we end up not carrying out the will of God in our life. And if we wanted to break down the will of God in our life, like the simplest will of God is to love your neighbor as yourself and love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. So these guys didn't even care. But I think to take it even a step further, the context of their story, these guys had lost everything. It wasn't like God had just blessed these guys and they were super rich and they had everything they wanted and God was just like shining down all of his blessings upon them. Like they had lost everything. Their country had been demolished. They'd been ripped from their families. They were living in enemy territory. They were being forced to serve a king that they did not agree with. So it wasn't like everything was working out in their life and then they were like, you know, on this power high of faith of like, yeah, God is on our side. He's like giving me everything I want. Like, I'm going to stand up to the king. Maybe God will do that. Like, everything in their life pretty much sucked. And yet they still had the faith and the, the, the trust in God to stand up and say, no, I'm not going to do that. So faith is more than belief. Faith is when your actions line up with your belief. A lot of people will say that they believe in God. In fact, most of America will probably say, I believe in God in some form, in some way. And I want you to hear tonight that believing in God Believing that God is real, believing that he's a real force out there. Showing up at church, like, I love that you're here. 
uh, reading the Bible, having friends, maybe your parents are Christians and love Jesus. All those things are good things. But I want you to hear tonight that if those things are present in your life, that doesn't automatically mean that you have faith in God. And I, I want to I demonstrate it to you guys. Um, if we were to break down what the meaning of faith is, faith is intellectual agreement, which intellectual agreement is, uh, we're going to use these two chairs here. We all agree that these are chairs, right? And that chairs are made to uh, support us. You know, they were designed for you to sit on them. And, uh, like, we can all agree in our minds, like, that's what these are for, right? Intellectual agreement plus trust equals faith. And trust is actually relying on the fact that something is true. Intellectual agreement is just agreeing that something is true. And so, I need a, I need a volunteer for this. Um... Zane, come on up here. So Zane, do you agree that these are both chairs? And you agree that they were both designed for you to sit on, that like somebody put a lot of thought into making this chair that you can sit on? Okay. Now which one of these chairs would you choose to sit in? Okay, why would you choose to sit in that chair? Probably more comfortable. Okay, yep, that's a perf. That's perfect. Why do you trust this chair? Probably more sturdy. Okay, so what if I told you, like, they're both the same, you know, they're both designed to hold your weight. They're both um, designed for that. You still think this one's probably more sturdy? Okay, probably. That's good. Um, here's the thing. There's too many believers who will agree that Jesus is good and he's God and like he's capable of doing a lot of things, that he's real. But nobody is willing to put their weight on it. Like we can all agree that these are chairs, but something changes when I put my trust in this chair. And I actually, I'm, I'm not just like, yeah, that's a cool chair. I agree that that's a chair. I'm like, I, I actually believe that this chair is going to hold me up. And it's not going to break on me. And so, so many Christians are like, yeah, God, I, I believe that you're real. I believe that you're out there. Uh, but I'm like not willing to put my trust in you. I'm not willing to step out. Like, I believe that you don't want me to worship anything else. But when the king calls and says, bow down to me, like, ah, man, I don't really trust that you're going to deliver me from this fiery furnace. Thanks, Zane. You can take a seat. Yeah, give, give Zane a round of applause. 
And so often, not only do we uh, just say that we believe that God is, is, um, is good and real, but as Zane pointed out, we choose this chair because it's more comfortable. And like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego chose something that was extremely uncomfortable and actually put their life on the line. And so I, this just translates into our regular lives where there's a conversation going on among the guys and you're rating girls and you are uh, comparing them and objectifying them and you don't feel very easy about it. You don't feel like it's the right thing to do, but you're like, I just don't want to get into it. Uh, you get scheduled on Wednesday or Sunday morning, and you're like, ah, I'm not going to tell my boss that like, I go to church. Like, I'll just work the shift. And when people look at you and go, what is up with them? Because that's what people will do when you rise up, when you have that, uh, you say, I'm not going to do that. People will look at you and go, what is up with them? Why don't they just conform? Why are they trying to be better than everyone else? Your response is that I live the way I do because I have faith in God and believe that he has a different way for me to live. And a lot of the time, we might not even understand why God is calling us to live a certain way. But that's what faith is. We don't always understand. And... Um, I think a lot of the times as a uh, child or as a son or a daughter, honoring and obeying your parents is like kind of hard, right? And we don't always think that our parents are worthy of respect and honor. Um, your parents are probably not always a perfect shining example of what a human should be and like what a respectable person is and you don't feel like they deserve it. But God said, honor your parents and obey them. That's God's will for your life. And that's like what God has called you to. And it doesn't matter what your parents are doing. Um, it takes you to have a level of faith to go, okay, I'm going to submit to what God is, is instructing me to do. Knowing that the outcome will be good according to what God has. I don't know what the outcome will be. Maybe that means that like, you don't get to do a lot of fun stuff. Or like you feel like your parents are screwing you over and you don't get to go out on Friday night or hang out with your friends late. But you are trusting in God by doing that. Um, and you might not understand it now. What will be described as legendary later will be described as crazy today. Um, so currently the lottery uh, Powerball is at $80 million right now, which is like pretty small compared to how big it gets. But like $80 million is kind of a lot of money, right? Who would like $80 million? I would love $80 million. What, what would you do with $80 million if you got it today? Speed the light. Speed the light. <laughs> um, I want you to think of it like this. 
Someone who really believes that they could win the lottery uh, might empty their bank accounts, take their whole life savings, max out every credit card that they have to buy as many tickets as they can to win the Powerball. So not only have they now put their whole life on the line, but they've started planning their entire future based on them winning the lottery, right? You're looking at mansions online. You're like, Amazon shopping cart is at like $2 million. Uh, you, you're like trying to figure out which Nike you should wear for every day of the year. Like, you can have whatever you want if this works out. And then the numbers are called and none of your tickets match. Not only is your future gone, but your current life is completely devastated. Now, on the other hand, uh, there's a lot of people who play the lottery, and like they'll just buy one ticket. A ticket's like two bucks. You just buy one ticket, and you're like, I hope I win the lottery. Like I could have an amazing life if I won the lottery. The numbers are called, and nope, your ticket is not the winning ticket. And you just move on. You're like, shoot, could have been, right? but you're only out two bucks. Who even cares, right? And so as someone who would be devastated because they put their whole life on the lottery, um, would you be devastated if you found out that God was not real? That if this whole Christian life, uh, that f God, it was just all not what it's been cracked up to be? Or would your life just move on like nothing really happened? Because I think if we would just move on from it, I think that is a sign from where our faith is at right now. So do you have a $2 faith or are you putting it all on the line? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego put their whole life on the line and they were ready to lose everything because they knew that in doing so, they would gain something so much better. And uh, this brings us to our, our verse for the month. It's Hebrews 10, 36 through 11, 3. And I'm just going to read it. You all got a card on your seat. Uh, you get a $25 gift card if you can memorize this over the next six weeks. This month you have a couple extra weeks to do it. But for whoever can memorize it, uh, you get put into a drawing for a $25 Amazon gift card. And so I'm going to read it and you just follow along on the screen. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God by faith... You will receive what he has promised, which is heaven and eternity with him. For in just a little while, he who is coming, which is Jesus, will come and will not delay. And, but my righteous one will live by faith, even when it doesn't make sense. And I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. And he's talking about those who just are like, it's fine this one time. I'll bow down. God is okay with it. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. Guys, we're called to be like Rack Shack and Benny, that no matter what the cost and no matter what anybody else has to say about it. Now, faith is confidence. We have trust in what God has spoken, in what we hope for, and assurance about what we do not see. We don't always see the outcome or understand what's coming, but we know that God is always good. This is what the ancients were commended for. And he's talking about people like Rack, Shack, and Benny here for staying firm on the goodness of God in spite of everything uh, that they could not see. 
By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what is visible. And we're limited by what we can see. God doesn't have that problem. He can change our situation when it looks impossible and um, brings things that we wouldn't even imagine. And so I just want to end with this. We have faith in a promise that for those who put their faith in God, they're going to spend eternity with him. You're never going to die, and all of your sin is forgiven. But you get to choose to believe if that promise is true or not. And to have legendary faith is to live your life focused on Jesus and eternity so that when you die, Jesus will say, I know you and I remember you because you have legendary faith. He's not going to look at the things that you did for him. He's going to look at what your heart is towards him. So will you choose to have legendary faith? Uh, Jesus said, many will say on that day, Lord, Lord, we did many miracles and cast out demons in your name, but I'll say to them, I never knew you away from me. They won't receive that promise. And so out of all this, you might be thinking like, I don't know where to start. I don't know exactly what that means for me. I don't know what it exactly looks like to have faith in God or have faith in this season of life that I'm in right now. Um, But there was a guy who came to Jesus and he needed Jesus to do something for him. And he said, Lord, I believe that you can do it, but help my unbelief. I know that you can. I know that uh, you can do something out of my situation, but I don't know what that's going to look like. Um, But I know that you can, and God loves an honest Christ. So I'm going to just pray tonight. And so just receive that wherever you're at. If you don't know what that looks like to cry out to God, if you don't know what it looks like to even have a relationship with God, if you don't know what it looks like to pursue your future with God, um, Lord, I believe that you can do something miraculous and something legendary, but help my unbelief.